Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. Lord, I just pray you'd anoint this message and, uh, and that you would just release the power of heaven right now. And Lord, that you would give us revelation and understanding and that we would be able to enter in to what you are trying to show us and teach us. And um, we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all. Uh, the reason you got me this morning is intentional. It wasn't because I didn't wasn't able to get anybody, but I there's some things that were bubbling up that I really felt like I wanted to share with with our family here, and they come out of two things. Mel and I were talking what two weeks ago, or maybe it was last Sunday, about the fear of the Lord on the sidewalk after church, and Mel was Mel and I were just talking about it, and it got me thinking. And so this week I spent some time I just looked up all the scriptures in the Bible on fear of the Lord and looked up root words and different translations just kind of studying it trying to get a better grip for me of whether you know blue jean is walking in that well and so uh, I saw a scripture that caught my eye and it fit with something else that was going on sometimes um, I don't know if y'all are like me but the Lord speaks to me um, in in a way where all of a sudden he connects the dots for me, where I would be um, having one thing happen here and then another thing happen and then another thing happen and then I'm like, oh, that's related. That's all related. And I perceive that as the Lord speaking to me. And so I had that happen with Mel, and I'm studying the scriptures about it and that kind of thing, and this is what I see in Revelation 14, verse 7. Actually, we'll read verse 6. Then I saw another angel, and this is the apostle John having his vision. You know, Jesus said, come on up here, John. I got some things I want to show you. And so that's how the book of Revelation happened. And so while he was having this open vision in heaven, John sees this. He says, Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. There you go, Josh. It just fits right in with your testimony. Uh, He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. And then the next thing the angel said was, Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Well, meanwhile, back at the ranch, something else is bubbling up here about worship. There are, there, there's a group of people that I regularly meet with that pray for Blue Jean and me, uh, and they were talking about worship. And I've, I've heard some, uh, I think Pam uh, um, Stewart uh, has been talking about a lady maybe coming that's uh, in December, right? Uh, that's a worship person and that kind of thing. And, and so there's several different places that a focus on worship has bubbled up. And so all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe there's a connection here with this direction 
this is this wasn't this wasn't like oh you know you're supposed to do worship on Sundays you're supposed to worship God this was worship Him it was like a directive it was like worship is important worship Him and it was an angel flying around in heaven that said all right guys worship Him and so I put all that together and you're about to get what came to me okay and so I felt like I, I want to share something that I think the Lord is saying to the church to this tribe okay Josh would you put up the little shield yeah alright that is my best effort at art As y'all can see, I can dance. I got, I got the moves, baby. I can bust some moves. And I, and I can sing when nobody's hearing me. But art, I was behind the window of the door when art, the gift of art, got passed out. I still draw stick men, and my dog is like a circle with four sticks coming down. I mean, it's, it's bad, okay? I really admire artists. But that is my effort at art. And a guy wrote a letter to me at my retirement and sent that to me. And I had given him that several years ago when he was going through a really hard time. And he had come to me to talk to me. He's a lawyer. And, and I had done that for him. And here's how that came about. Years ago, before I had the place on the river, I would go to Kenan's Mill and me and Alan Reeves and Edgar Reeves, we had cut trails along Valley Creek. That's my creek. I grew up on Valley Creek, so I just let everybody else use it. And Miss Buchanan, so sweet, I called her and I said, Miss Buchanan, I just would love a place to go and take my kids swimming. There's an incredible swimming hole right up from the dam. And would you mind if I just went out there? And she said, honey, Duke, go out there as much as you want. You know, it's yours. Just go out there. So we would take, Robert would remember, I would take, load up the dogs and the neighborhood kids and our kids, and we'd spend an afternoon out there when the dam was open at the bottom. The level of the water would drop, and there's a waterfall that comes through a soapstone bank and created this incredible pool. Water in Valley Creek is 100 degrees colder than your bathtub with cold water. I mean, it's freezing, and in the summertime, it's so hot, and we would spend all of Saturday afternoon out there, and we'd walk the creek, and we'd swim. It was awesome. I found out years later that my mama told me, and I didn't know it, that that swimming hole, my daddy asked her to marry him right there, uh, marry her right there. So anyway, it was pretty cool. I didn't know that, but we would go out there, and one day, I got up real early Saturday morning before the kids got up, I drove out there, and I'd cut a trail and went, and I was just sitting on the creek bank with my Bible, and I was just praying. I just said, Lord, what's on your mind today? I just want to hear you. And that popped in my mind. It was like a picture. It popped in my mind. And if, if it was colored, it would be silver with a red cross on it. And in the four quadrants, I saw prayer, I saw scripture, I saw worship, and I saw fellowship. And I said, Lord, what does that mean? What are you trying to say to me? And as I sat and meditated on it, it was like a, a person's faith is complete 
you are protected and you will grow and it is, it is a rich faith if you are participating in all four. If you're not participating in all four, you're a little exposed. You're, it's not complete. And so I was like, wow, that's really profound to me. And so when I gave it to this guy that was struggling years ago, he kept that and gave, and gave it back to me in his letter for my retirement. And he said, I've kept this ever since you gave it to me, and, I'll, and, and I can't tell you how much it meant to me. And so I was like, well, that must be anointed because, you know, that must really have been the Lord if it had an impact on somebody because it's had an impact on me. And so this morning, I want to talk about two of the quadrants, okay? And, and what I'm doing right now, there's some scripture. Uh, it's... Hosea 44 points, uh, four, uh, four, chapter 4, verse 6. It says, um, let me find it. Yeah. It says, without knowledge, people perish. Without knowledge, people perish. Okay? And then in um, Proverbs 29, 18, it says, without vision, people perish. Now, that's the King James Version of that. The NIV says basically people walk around unrestrained. And, and what that's saying is, and what it means to me is, when a people, a tribe, can catch the vision for something, everybody can buy into it. But without saying, here's what we're doing, and it might be new or, or something that's different, you might have people that, are, that would say, we ain't ever done that before, you know? Well, that ain't how I got raised, you know? Or that, what's that all about, you know? Understandable, we're just human. I've done it too. Do it all the time, you know? Don't want to, but we just do that. We're just human. Not beating anybody up for being human. But pointing out how it helps when everybody catches the same vision and you understand what's going on, you can enter into the new move or something that's going on, right? So everybody's, everybody's together. It's not one group over here and one group over there and everything. Everybody's like, oh, that's what we're doing. That's what that's about, right? Okay. And so that's what we're doing this morning because of this worship thing that's bubbling up. Okay, and so hang with me. The first quadrant I want to talk about, and David, I'm so glad you're here, David Summerlin, because David has helped me love the Word. And I've had friends of mine, particularly my Baptist buddies, Alan Jones, Dr. Chittam, uh, and then Jerry Yeager, all helped me early on to value and love the Scripture. We haven't talked about that enough here. We, we are. But I got raised spiritually once I got in with the Lord on the Word. And I, and I understood how important it was, that it's powerful, it's effective, and it is the gold standard, okay? I did not get that growing up. Now, that is not a slam on, grow, on where I grew up. That's a slam on me because we looked at the Scripture. We were taught the stories in the Scriptures, 
it just didn't do much to me. And that was on me until the Holy Spirit got a hold of me, okay? And then that changed. And I've learned through uh, my friends, others, David, you're one of them, uh, to value the Word, but the way that I really began to see how important the Word was was from the Word itself, okay? And I want, I want to uh, read... Uh, or talk about some of the scriptures. We're going to go through them real quick, okay? Um, let's look at Hebrews 4, 12. We're not going to uh, stay, stay a lot on these, but I want you to see what the scripture says. And, you know, God's word, this is God's word. Uh, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy three sixteen that God's that the scripture is God-breathed. It's his word. And it's good for, and it's helpful for rebuking, correcting, directing, encouraging, those kinds of things. So it is important that we, we have that as part of our shield of faith, that we read it, that we know it. That's important. Without it, we're missing, we're missing something. And look at what the Scripture says about it. It's, it's the Scripture. Hebrews 4.12 for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's power. We don't, we don't read the scripture and learn scripture so we'll know more and be a Pharisee so we can quote scripture and look down our nose at people. We read it because it goes in us and it affects us. We walk into and live into the scripture. We do the word. We don't just read it. Reading is only a part of that. But it's, it's got to have an impact on us. Okay? And, it, and apparently, from the word, it does. It's powerful. Okay? Second Timothy, we just looked at that. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. If you want to flip there, you can. Paul says, hey, put on the full armor of God. And he names the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, all that. But in verse 17, he says, and get the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In that list of, of weapons and, and uh, um, ways to fight the enemy, it's the only offensive weapon that he talks about. It's, it's an offensive weapon. Use the word of God. And we saw it. We see it. I, wanna, I want you all to look at Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus, who is our model, we want to be more like Jesus, when he got attacked and tempted by the enemy in the desert after he was filled with or anointed with the Holy Spirit for ministry, the spirit leads him into the desert and the, and the enemy comes and tempts him and all three times the way Jesus um, defeats the enemy is with the word. He says it is written. It is written. It is written. And for me, Jesus was living what the scriptures have taught us is that the word of God is powerful. It is the sword of the spirit. If we don't know the word, Jesus knew the word. But he applied it to the enemy when the attack came. I, I did this years ago during a campaign when I was a nervous wreck. 
I read Psalm 27, and it said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? What can man do to me? Well, I memorized that. And when fear would come on me or discouragement or something, I would say it, and I can still repeat it. And so the word, I was using the word as the sword of the spirit. Get on out of here, Satan. Get on out of here, little doggy. I don't have to listen to that voice of discouragement and fear. Get out of here. And so I was using the sword of the spirit, okay? Jesus did the same thing. The scripture that really got me about this, though, that really shifted me from the idea where I grew up, I, I grew up with this idea that the Bible was a great moral book to show me how to live and all that, and it had a little God sprinkled on it. You know? I didn't understand it all. I never read it. I had a Bible, but it sat on the shelf and it gathered dust and all that. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything, but this is recovered. I tore this one up. This is my second cover on this one, and I've got others that I look at. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I want, part, I want to walk in this part of the shield of faith because it is, it is part of a complete faith, all right? Let me show you what Jesus did. This blew me away when I read it one day. Matthew chapter 22, all right? Here's the situation. The Sadducees and the Pharisees were, were the religious people of the day, right? And they thought they were better than everybody else. They were affluent. They knew more, and they acted like it. The Pharisees were very, very uh, strict, very stringent. They would be the kind of person that would show up at a, at a uh, rally and have a, you know, um, something that says, everybody that believes this is going to die and go to hell. That would be a Pharisee-type attitude. The Sadducee, on the other hand, would be the liberal person that says, Hey, everybody, God loves you. Everything goes. Everything's fine. You know, we just, we don't believe in the supernatural. We're just going to be nice to everybody. Okay? And, and the Sadducees did not believe in the supernatural. They did not believe in angels. They did not believe in the supernatural or the afterlife. The Pharisees did, but the Sadducees didn't. And so, with that background, here's what happens. In Matthew 22, verse 23. That same day, the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, or there's no afterlife, no supernatural, very intellectual, very liberal, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if the man, now this is the law, they're quoting the law to Jesus, okay? Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and have children for him. That's weird for us, but that was the custom today. Back then. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died, and since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second and third brother, right on down to the seventh, and finally the woman died. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven, since all of them were married to her? When I read that, I was thinking, they're mocking him, because they don't believe this anyway. They're trying to trick him. They're like, pfft. Afterlife, afterlife, you know, angels, angels, you know, supernatural, supernatural, whatever, you know? I mean, they really are. They're mocking him because they're too smart for this, too intellectual for the supernatural kind of stuff, 
That's, that's, not, that's not intellectual, okay? And so they're trying to trip him up. And look at what Jesus' response is. This blew me away. Jesus says, you're in error because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. And so I'm like, I read that. I've got it underlined and starred in my Bible from years ago. I read that and I was like, oh my gosh. Jesus said this. I'm thinking, maybe I need to reevaluate how I have valued the scripture in my walk. That it's not a book of Aesop's fables with a little God sprinkled on it. It's the power of God. It's the word of God. It's powerful. And Jesus is saying, you're in error because you don't know it. I'm thinking, I better start reading this with the attitude that it matters. Okay? Okay? And so I keep reading. He ain't done. But what he says next is the thing that blew me away the most. Listen to what he says. He said, at the, at the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. All right, so he answers their question, and then he throws this zinger in. He's like, all right, y'all believe there's no resurrection? There's no, there's no uh, uh, life after death? And so you're, you're going to, uh, he's not being ugly about it, but it's like you're going to mock me because you don't believe this and think we're all you know, not educated enough because we believe in a supernatural God? And he said, but about the resurrection of the dead, he says, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. Now, if you want to see where God said that, that's in Exodus chapter 3, verse 6, when he shows up with Moses, and Moses says, who are you? This burning bush thing. Who are you? And he says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, when I was in the ninth grade, Anna Gwen Fuller was my English teacher. And we were learning helping verbs. And I can still do them. Is, be, am, or was, were, been, have, has, had, do, does, did, may, might, can, could, shall, should, will, would, must. There's the helping verbs. We had a contest. Whoever could say it the fastest and get it right would win something. And so it was all-out war in our class until we learned it. And I bet everybody in that class can still remember it. Well, am is a helping verb. And am has a meaning. If you've taken a foreign language or looked into English, am is a present tense of that helping verb. Was is the past tense. And so Jesus is saying, if, if there's no afterlife, then God would have said, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, he didn't say that. He said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the conclusion, very clear conclusion that Jesus is making here, the point, is they are alive with God. They're still living. Resurrection of the dead. And I almost fell out of my chair. I, my head's tingling right now. I was like, oh my Lord. I was like, Jesus. you And that comes from the Psalms, y'all. It's, it's in the Psalms. I mean, there's, that's in the Psalms. And it comes from Exodus. Jesus knew the scripture. He knew the scripture. 
He was quoting scripture. And he used a help, the tense of a two-letter helping verb to establish the truth that there is an afterlife. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I want to drop the mic and just leave. I mean, isn't that awesome? I mean, and I thought, if Jesus values the scripture to that level, then I probably ought to as well. That even the smallest word and the tense of a helping verb will give us a picture into truth. And I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. I repent from where I was with scripture. I'm sorry. I'm totally in. It's your word. If it means that much to you and you can prove things like that through the word, I'm in. I want to learn it. Okay? And so, we value scripture here. We've not done a very good job of emphasizing that and making that clear, but I don't think we've got that problem anymore. And so, scripture is one of the places. And so... That leads me to the next thing. And it's worship. That's what's been bubbling up. And so there are some things bubbling up that may be new. One of the things you've noticed is we've opened the doors. Because there's something about worship and freedom and being able to wave a flag and that kind of thing that the freedom and the ability to do that adds to the worship of a house. It does. But if you don't see it, you can. If, if you don't understand from the word what God says in his word about worship, if, if you're like me, if I didn't know about it and I came in on Sunday morning and I saw people with flags over here and some people maybe dancing and stuff, I would think I might have the attitude, what are we doing? We ain't ever done that before. What are we, you know, that's not what blue jeans done. That's not who we are. That's not our tradition, although we don't have much tradition. You know, what are, they're just over there acting crazy, distracting people from worship when, you know, the way we're supposed to worship is whatever you think it is. I used to think it was holding a hymn book. I did. And I thought it's something you kind of had to get through to get to the sermon. I didn't understand. You see, people perish for lack of understanding of what worship really is. It's not something you get through or just have to endure until you get to the word, which is worship. That's not true. You have totally missed it. And you are missing out on one-fourth of your shield of faith if that is your attitude towards worship. And don't believe me. We're going to go to the Word and show everybody. It is, it is so in the Word. It's crazy how, mu how many times the Holy Spirit tells us, worship, 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 and tells us ways to worship. It's endless. And we're going to look at them in rapid fire. We're going to use the Word to show what, what worship looks like. And then the effect I'm believing from the Holy Spirit, because I think this is all the Holy Spirit's doing. I think everybody will say, oh, I understand that now. 
that makes sense. I may not want, I'm not going to, you're not going to probably see me jumping around like a ballerina because I can't do that. And, and I've got too much self-shame self, uh, on me or something. I don't know. I'm just too embarrassed to do that. But, but we may see people dance. And so if we do, we won't look and think, that's weird. I don't understand that. Because it's straight out of the Scripture. The Scripture tells us to do that. That's part of worship. If you feel moved to do it, you have the freedom to do that. Okay? All right, so let's look. Don't, don't believe me. Let's read this. I just read Revelation to you about the, the instruction from an angel in heaven instructed us. It was like a direction. Worship. Worship him. And so I'm like, okay, okay, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Okay, I want to worship him because you tell me. I want to say this before we move on. Scripture, it's important. Uh, yeah, and I need to hit this point before we move on. Scripture is awesome to be, to know. There was a guy that was in our small group when we used to call it the upper room that grew up Baptist, awesome dude, helped me understand. I got stuff from all my friends from the different traditions. I learned about the gifts of the Spirit from my Pentecostal and charismatic friends. I learned about the Scripture from my Baptist friends. You know, I learned about so many different things, communion, all those things. I learned so much by just wrestling with things in that, in that group. And, uh, but there was one guy in particular that could quote the Scripture backwards and forwards but he missed the point. He didn't know how to apply it. He would apply it very legalistically and harshly, and at some point, we were, he was arguing about a point, and we said, you just need to be filled with the Spirit, and then you'll see. And it happened, and it's like the scales fell off his eyes. He began to apply and live the Scripture that he knew same thing with Paul, the Apostle Paul. He was a Pharisee's Pharisee. He could quote the scriptures backwards and forwards, but until he got filled with the Holy Spirit and the scales fell off his eyes, he's trying to kill Jesus or people that love Jesus. That make sense? All right, so let's go. Rapid fire. We're just going to flip. Get ready. This is like your head's going to be spinning. Go to the Psalm, Psalm 100. Okay? First line, Psalm 100, verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him a joyful song. Shout. You know, I became a shouter that day Alan Yarborough preached at Blue Jean when we were still at First Pres, and he made all of us stand up and yell Jesus for a minute. I was so scared to do it. I was thinking I'm going to be executed because this is not what we do here. And this is weird. It scared me. But Alan was standing in a chair and he said, I'm watching. And he said, if you don't yell for Jesus, because we'll go to our ball games and we'll holler for Alabama or Auburn like crazy people, but we won't yell for Jesus. He said, we're going to do it this morning. He jumped up in a chair and started saying, one. He said, I'm going to call you out if you don't. I mean, I was shaking in my boots. And he said, one, two, three. And we all yelled Jesus at the top of our lungs for a minute. I saw stars, I was yelling so loud. And ever since that moment, some more religion broke off of me, some more fear of man broke off of me, and I'm officially a shouter now. 
because of that. The scripture says, shout to him. That ain't weird. Now, tradition may say it's weird, but it's not weird because it's in the word. We're directed that that's cool. At times when you, when you want to let it out, when I shout, I'm not shouting so I want everybody to see me. I would rather be doing that when y'all aren't here so you won't think I'm crazy. But sometimes you just got to say, that's so good, yeah, that's just so good. You know? All right, keep going. Look at Psalm 63. 63 verse 4. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. I got free at Camp Lee. I wanted to lift my hands for so many times. And, and I wouldn't. I was chicken. I had a chicken suit on. And in that, in that big, big auditorium at Camp Lee, it was dark. I was in the back. And I looked over and I saw my buddy Dane Shaw like this. And I just started weeping. And I said, God, I don't want to do that. And I'm going to. I don't care what anybody says. And I did it. And that's not a big deal. I may do it all the time now. But at that moment, it was a big deal for me. I wanted to do it. I was just too scared to do it. Now, if I hadn't wanted to do it, that's okay too. But my heart wanted to. And the reason was I was a chicken liver. I was scared of what other people were going to think. And the minute I did it, I got more freedom. And the scripture tells us it's okay. Not, not just okay, it's like, do it. If the, if the spirit moves you to do that, do it. It's not just okay. It's, it's like, if you feel moved and led to do that, do it. It's worship. Keep going. Uh, Psalm 95 and 6, it talks about kneeling and bowing. Look at Psalm 95 verse 1. The Lord reigns his robe with majesty. Maybe I wrote that down wrong. It's 95, 6. No, 1 and 2. Yeah, I wrote that one down wrong. Oh, well. My bad. Oh, I'm in 93. It's 95. <laughs> uh, yeah, look at verse 1 of Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Sing with joy. That's exuberance. Shouting. Um, Psalm uh, 1, uh, 146, 2 talks about singing. Psalm 104, verse 33, sing praise to God. Psalm 30, verse 12. 30, verse 12. says, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. In other words, you know, I used to, when I'd go to church, all the men would hold the, the hymn book, or maybe not. They'd just hold the pew. And everybody would be just standing there looking around. And I, that was me. I'm not judging a single person, okay? But after I got in with God in 95, and my heart was, was tenderized towards the Lord, I started singing those songs, and weeping, singing the songs. At supper one night, I remember our kids and saying, 
you're embarrassing us. The Boltons sit right in front of us and they're going to move because you're singing so loud. And, and, and you don't sound so hot, Dad. And I said, I said, well, let, let me tell you the joke's on y'all because I ain't singing for them. And I'm not singing for you. I'm singing for Jesus. And I will sing joyfully and with emotion. I get to do it. I ain't got to do it. It's a difference. The word tells us this. It's clear. Okay? Look at uh, look at Psalm 149.3. This will get you. If, you've, if you are walking in a religious spirit and you're not uh, wanting to do anything that's different than tradition, this will bl blow your dress up right here. 149 verse 3. Let them praise his name with dancing. What? Me and Mel still talk about the first time I saw him at first prayers down front, and he danced. He spun like that, and I'm like, go, Mel, go. Of course, I'm not saying that out loud, but we still talk about him spinning. It's not just okay. It's, it's, that's one way we worship. The Psalms say it. And so if somebody breaks out and dance, where, where are the stewards? Y'all know what I'm going to say. When your sweet daughter busted out and dance over there at the, the Art Survive, oh my gosh, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. She danced before the Lord. And it was one of the most beautiful, anointed things I've ever seen. There may be people that dance. You probably will not see me jumping around over there. Because I've got too much embarrassment and I can't do it well enough and that's not something in my heart right now to do but if he tells me to do it I pray that I have the grace to just get rid of more fear of man and go do it you will know it's the Holy Spirit if I do I promise you that it won't be because I'm trying to be a show dog I guarantee you that um, Psalm 47.1 talks about clapping the last one I wanted to look at was Psalm 20, verse 5. I, you know, I haven't really ever looked into why we wave banners, you know? That's, uh, that's some, not something I grew up with. But look at this, Psalm 20, verse 5. We will shout for joy when you are victorious. We will lift our banners in the name of the Lord. It's warfare. Straight up. It's like the Talladega 500 in the spirit. You know? It is. And you know, years ago, I went to a meeting at Christ the King, and it was either Shelby or Donna had the biggest flag. It was like that flag that flies out at the pit stop at the right over there by the co-op. Huge. And, and, yeah, I didn't know what was going on, really. I was just like, well, that's what they do here. That's okay. That's not what I do, but that's what they do, and it's okay. And they're like, doing those flags, everybody. The minute it went over my head, I almost couldn't breathe because of the presence of God. It got on me so thick, and I said, okay, I'm in. I get it. There is something anointed about this, and it's right out of the Word. It's not just okay. It's part of worship for some. And so it's more than okay. 
there should be freedom in this house, and there is, for people to express the worship that they feel for God, however, however they, they, they feel like it, in decent and order. I'm not talking about running around like a chicken with my head cut off and being just distracting. That's not what I'm talking about. But real worship and freedom in it, we want that here. And that's why we've opened the doors because it allows more room for people that want to do the flags without being a distraction and dancing without being in front of everybody where it might be a distraction. It's order, but there's freedom. And it's not just okay. It's us doing the word, not just knowing the word. Does that make sense? Jesus is real clear about that. I mean, he is real clear that it's not okay to know the word and not do it. All right, we'll finish with this, but check this out. Jesus says in Matthew, look at Matthew 23, verse 1. He is, at this particular point in his ministry and in the scripture, he is wearing the Pharisees out and the Pharisee spirit, that harsh, judgmental, looking down your nose, and, and we could do that. I mean, we do that. I do that. I was in a church at some point within the last year, and I saw how they worshiped, and I judged the stew out of them. And I, when I'm riding to church this morning praying about it, I'm, I said, Lord, I need to repent for that. Because I said, that's, that's so lame. I said that in my heart. This is so lame. That's just nothing but Pharisee pride. That's all that is. When I judge somebody else's worship, this isn't about anybody else. This is about us and giving people freedom to worship God in the way that they feel led. It's important. And then if you look at uh, Matthew 23, verse 1, Jesus said to the crowd and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. They're your leaders. So you, he says, so you must obey them and do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. We need to worship. We need to shout. We need to raise our banners and then when somebody does it look at them and like what are they doing that's not that's not our that's not our tradition all right check this out i mean and you know i'm not this i'm not talking at anybody i just gave you a specific instance this morning where i realized i had done that and so i asked for forgiveness because that's me I want to look real quick at this. Look at Matthew 7, verse 26. Jesus says this in verse 24. Therefore, Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice... It's like Allen Iverson. It's practice. Put him into practice. It's practice. He said, it's like the man who builds his house on a rock. When the rain comes, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it didn't fall because it had a foundation on the rock. Jesus' word. 
But the one, he says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and don't put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came, the rent streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. That's all about practice. It's all about putting things into practice, living the word, doing the word, not just reading the word and hearing the word. It's doing it. And Jesus said in John 14, 23, if you love me, if you love me, you'll obey me. And we've just gotten many instructions in here. Worship, worship, worship. The angel flying around in heaven says, worship. I mean, it's in the word. It's not just okay for people to be crazy. It's worship. We are doing what the word says do. When we wave flags, when someone dances, when someone clouts, when someone shouts, when someone is quiet in the pew connecting with God without saying a word, that's worship. Singing your heart out is worship. Some of the most worshipful moments I've had were just quiet. It's okay to be quiet. This is not a sermon so everybody will want to dance like, you know, Michael Jackson, you know? There's freedom here. But here's what this message is about. And it, it's out of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. This is a challenging word and a word that should release freedom. But this is what happens if you look in Ephesians chapter 5, 4, verse 15. Paul writes this. He says, Instead, when we speak the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is ahead, that is Christ. What is happening this morning is we are speaking truth. And what truth does often is confront attitudes Beliefs, belief systems, traditions, and other things, uh, shame, fear of man, other things that would hinder us from doing the word. And it's, frankly, it's more comfortable. It's easier. It's easier to sit quietly and judge instead of joining in. And so what I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting for this tribe and this house, I'm thinking he's ramping up a little bit on the worship here. And he's wanting to cast the vision so everybody can see this isn't something we're making up so that we can be weird and crazy and we can have flags and we can be different than everybody else. We're just trying to do the word. And we're, we're not just authorizing people, we're saying... This is part of worship, and we're supposed to worship. So if you feel moved to do it, do it. With no judgment, with freedom, and with encouragement. And what we've done is value the Scripture and bring it all back to the Scripture to show we're not making this up. Next week, I think there'll be a panel. You'll see a panel.
and they will be talking about worship and different ways they've experienced God in different ways, and it will all be scripturally based, but you're going to get some personal testimonies of people that you know here that have really been affected in worship and how they've experienced God in worship. And no pressure, no expectation, but freedom to worship like the Lord leads you. But don't wear that chicken suit. And I'm telling myself that because sometimes there's a part of me that wants to grab a flag, but I'm chicken. I am. I'm chicken. I don't want anybody looking at me saying, well, there goes Bob. He's going over the edge. Look at him. Hello. You know, he's, he's acting like one of those, those ladies over there waving a flag. You know, I mean, honestly, I'm just being real. But there are times when I want to. And maybe one day I will. I pray that I'll have the grace to break out of my box just a little bit more and worship God with my heart like King David, with freedom. So don't look at worship as I got to get through it. I don't like to sing or I can't sing. You know, that ain't me. You know, I like, I like this part or I like that part. That's, that's a totally wrong view. And that's the truth. That's not me making that up. It's all this. And there's scripture that talk about prayer and fellowship and all that. We'll talk about those later. But worship is part, we are instructed to worship. And we have the freedom to worship God with our hearts. I encourage everybody to do that, to join in, to be a part. And seek, look at your heart, look at your own heart. Examine your own attitude, belief, and heart. On where you've been. And if you're wrong, if you've been in a wrong place, do like I did this morning when the Holy Spirit convicted me about judging somebody else. I just got clean real quick. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm judging. That's so wrong. Bless them and bless what they're doing. It's not lame. There's so many people there that are worshiping with their heart. Everybody get it? Well, let's pray. Lord, I pray right now that what we shared this morning, that you, Holy Spirit, you're the one with the vision. You're the one, the scripture tells us that you are the spirit of understanding. That's Isaiah 11. You are the spirit of understanding. And so, um, Lord, I thank you for giving us understanding and giving us vision so that we can all enter into that place of worship where we worship you with all of our hearts. I just heard it this morning, Lord, when, we, when it was just the voices. It sounded like a humongous choir to me. I was singing my guts out. We all were. It was real worship. We've got such anointed worship leaders here. And um, it's always been a house of worship, Lord, even from the very beginning. Lord, we ask for more. There's always more, always more. We ask for more. And give us the grace to walk in that and to obey you, to please you and to honor you because you are worthy of worship and praise. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's do uh, communion, which is another part of worship. <laughs> it's another thing Jesus tells us to do.
While we're handing it out, I'll go on and read the scripture that goes along with this. Paul uh, writes to the Corinthians and he says, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and he, he broke it. And when he would given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do is an imperative verb. It's like do it. It's an action thing. Do it and remember me when you do it. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Do it. And so this morning we remember, you know, we were just singing the gospel, how powerful the gospel is, that what Jesus did for us. It's just crazy what he did for us. And, you know, he took our beating, our punishment, so we didn't have to, and that we could be children of God. And so... We're doing the word right now. Thank you. My prayer is that this will be easy. I'll get an easy one this morning. He did. Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he said, this is my blood of the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. You're forgiven. Anybody needs some forgiveness this morning? Cheers. You're forgiven. Me too. I need it. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you take just simple elements, just juice and uh, little wafers. And by the power of your spirit, it, you, we feed on you, Jesus. We've just taken you in, in a supernatural, mysterious way. We thank you for what you did. We are so grateful. And Jesus, we want to worship you. I just confess that for so many years when we did had the sermon and communion, I was like, yes, all we got to do is get through that last song and I can get out of here. And now... Lord, I, I, I just confess that's, that's not the right attitude. It's like, oh my gosh, now we get to respond to your goodness and to your mercy with thanksgiving and praise in song. And so, Lord, thank you for teaching us and for being so patient with us and not being mad at us when we, when we don't get it. You're just always teaching. Always, you're such a good father. You're just such a good father. You're, ra you're raising us up to be... Uh, to be full of, of, of the Spirit and, and mature. Thank you. Thank you for doing that for us. And we say yes. We, we say yes. We want to join in. <laughs> we do. Give us the grace. And uh, we love you. Let's worship our heads off, y'all. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.